Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> so much yumminess. Today is Tuesday, June 11th. And my folks are coming to visit today. Hooray! It's a lovely day, so we can go outside. Little bit of a breeze blowing here, but I'm hopeful that actually it's coming from the north. Mm. Let's see if the ice cream chairs are going to be warm enough. And that little north breeze is a little cool yet. Huh. Might have to go on to the south side of the house here, which is in the shade, but warmer out of the wind. Hmm. Maybe we should try out back. Let's go try out back. One of the great things about this house is you can usually find some warm, sunny spot. We'll go out back to the secret garden. This might be the uh, first passageway or crossing through the passageway of doom for you all this year. Hmm. Garden is very shady. Is there a sunny spot? You can hear my little wind chimes going. It's a little breezy out here. Well, maybe I can pace around. <laughs> or I could go inside. That might be an inside day. We'll do that. I've got the drip system set up here, and it is dripping where I don't want it to drip. <laughs> I've got to figure out some of these leaks. That's always the entertaining part of the drip system every year. All right, yeah, back to the passageway. Down. Actually, I think if I put on a little jacket, my little cardi, I could probably do just fine on the south side here. I just had on a sundress, so I was definitely pushing it for a breezy morning. It's supposed to be very beautiful this afternoon. By the time my folks get here, they're driving from Tucson. Might be on their way, even as we speak. No, not as we speak, because it's um, 7 my time, and they're going to leave at 7 their time, which is 8 my time. So their earliest leaving, they won't be out of there for an hour. <sighs> but they get to enjoy a beautiful day and leisurely drive. Oh, Jackson. Oh, he's got a rodent. <laughs> and it's still struggling, too. Oh. Yeah. Jackson's got a live rodent. Telling David. You're going to have to decide, Jackson. I'm not going to do anything with you on that one. Might be a gopher. 
generally I'll let the kitties get the rodents. <laughs> what a good boy you are. Yeah. Although it's still, I'm such a um, sympathetic soul. David must have his earphones on or something. Let's go tell him. My dear? Jackson's got a great big rodent. Oh, I didn't know if you heard me. He's putting his shoes on. Did you kill it? Oh, it's got such a pretty furry coat. Yeah, you're a mighty hunter. Yeah. Well, there's so many of the rodents. They chew up so much stuff. He might have killed it now. David's out with the big work gloves. <laughs> Jackson's got it in the grass now, and he's kind of poking it with a paw. What is it? What was it? Oh, gopher. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the gophers getting gotten so much because they tunnel through everything and chew out all the roots of the plants and <laughs> David just tried to pick it up and Jackson batted it out of his hand. <laughs> now he's rubbing on David's legs. It's like the uh, the guys are enjoying the, the kill together. <laughs> he keeps doing it. David tries to pick it up by the tail and Jackson whacks it out of his hand again. <laughs> He thinks that's a pretty good game. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a diversion this morning for the uh, first cup of coffee podcast. I guess it falls under cat wrangling. Cat wrangling and gopher wrangling. Yeah, he's so happy. David's going to let him play with it for a while. Keep him occupied. Might as well let him enjoy the thing that he already killed instead of killing something else. I once quasi-dated a guy. We were kind of friends, kind of co-graduate students, and had this very strange uh, romantic relationship where it's actually a long story, but where mostly we didn't do anything because I think neither one of us was sure if the other one wanted to. It was a funny relationship. We had one um, passionate kiss, which probably lasted a very long time, make-out session maybe. But otherwise, we mostly hung out together. But he was a birder, and uh, he taught me to go birding. 
And But one thing about him that would have been a deal breaker for me for any kind of long-term relationship, um, <laughs> considering that we never had an actual relationship that would, you know, like never came up, but uh, he hated cats because cats kill birds. And I had two cats even then. Always had cats on my life. And, you know, I, I'm definitely one of those people that if, uh, in fact, I dated another guy who was like, well, you know, if we ever got married, you know, your cats would have to go. And it'd be like, well, yeah, so that's off the table. <laughs> that makes you not marriage material. It wasn't marriage material anyway. It was my great mistake. We can see why. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. The birder who hated cats because cats kill birds. You know, and it's like, well, I can understand loving birds. I like birds. Um, and I certainly love cats. I don't think anybody loves gophers. Are there any gopher lovers in the world? Gophers deserve love, too. <clears throat> God loves the gophers. Uh, gophers have their place. Sure has a pretty coat. But, you know, to hate cats for being who they are, you know, it's um, cats are predators. They're apex predators. You know, they are the most efficient hunters there are. Um, so, yeah, they occasionally catch birds. My cats um, generally know I'm not happy with them when, I, when they catch birds. But the gopher eradication, the mouse eradication... They only catch the mice that come in the house, but I figure that's, like, definitely a part of their job. <laughs> and they do it well. So, anyway, that was a long diversion for our chat over coffee. Some days exciting things happen. That breeze is calming down now. It's really going to be a lovely day. I'm so glad. My folks tend to have good luck. You know, they're come through and they stay a night. Um, they're on their way up to Denver where they've rented a house for a month um, to see their friends because they both lived in Denver for a very, very long time. So they have a lot of friends there. So they'll, they get to see their friends. <laughs> now Jackson just tried to catch a bird. I think he did not succeed. Wait, he's on a roll this morning. No, he did not succeed. Bird got away. He's overconfident now. Um, and also to get out of the Tucson heat, because this is a very hot time in Tucson before the monsoon rains start up. Like it generally is here, but, uh, boy, <laughs> so far we don't have our scorching hot June, which, which, frankly, I don't mind. It's nice to have a little bit of summer, but a lot of years we get really, really hot in May and stay scorching hot through part of July and we're just counting the days until the monsoon rains start and cool it down and often enduring fires until then. Hi Tohi. How are you? Oh. So I'm making good progress on Orchid Throne. I have um I'm at the Act 2 climax. I'm at about 78% um, through the document. Um, 97,000 words. I realized when I was talking about how many words I'd added, because I kept saying that I'd added something like 
you know, because I started at a little shy of 82K and now I'm at 97K, so I've added 15,000 words. But I've also, when I revise and I cut passages, I save them in an outtakes document. I have an outtakes document for every phase of revision. So I have like my drafting outtakes and then my developmental edits outtakes. Every time I make a pass at the document, at the manuscript, I keep a separate document of outtakes. It's really useful for if, um, like, sometimes something disappears and I don't know where it went. <laughs> I'm like, didn't I used to have that line in there or that information in there? And a lot of times I can find it again in the outtakes document. It also makes me feel better because, you know, cutting always feels like reverse work to me. So I do keep track, and my um, outtakes document is at over 5,000 words. So that means I've written 20,000 words into the doc into the manuscript. I was forgetting to count that. So that's a respectable amount of writing along with my revising. I just keep wondering why this revision feels like it's consuming my brain and it's because it is. Um it's a it's a good revision. Um, and I know I keep waxing on about this, and I'm sorry if you non-writers get bored with me talking about it. But, um, you know, we always talk about that every book is different for whatever reason. Every book is different. And this time, I really don't feel like I'm fixing what went wrong the first time, which is how I so often feel. Um, I don't know why that is, but I'm feeling like... Maybe it's working with Jenny, who's such a great editor. Um, I don't know. I'm really feeling like I'm bringing this book up to the next level with this revision. So that's pretty awesome, I think. Awesome and exciting. So it's been an interesting, you know, maybe that's part of why it's consuming my brain, too, is because it's just been a very interesting exercise it's been nice to feel like I have the time to do it, um, even though I've been, I don't know, preoccupied maybe with it. I've also been doing reading. I Yesterday I posted a review to um, Goodreads and BookBub of The Silver Medal Lover because I went back and reread that. Tanith Lee is just one of my favorite authors. Um has been since I was since I was a young gal. And when I posted the review of The Silver Medal Lover, which came out in 1980, so I read it when I was 14. Um, which, you know, back then, it's funny because people were referring to it as a YA book, a young adult book. And, you know, back in the day, we did, young adult was not a category. We didn't have the YA genre. I could see now that it is. But, you know, with a 16-year-old heroine, I loved that book. Um, you know, it's about adolescence in ways and the the passion of adolescence. Um, but then also with wonderful science fiction stuff where, you know, the 16-year-old girl falls in love with a robot. And it's a brilliant love affair. And as I mentioned in my review, I um, shared it with my first love and lover um, when I was 16, and he loved it too. And it was, um, 
I don't know. It's it's a it's a beautiful book, and I don't know. It might have been the first book of hers I read, but I'm almost certain I got it through that science fiction and fantasy book club deal that I was in. And I don't know if they still have those. Um, you know, I haven't looked, but it used to be you'd sign up for this book club, and you they would send you because this is of course pre-internet, right? So you would sign up for it and. There wasn't any way to know what was coming. You couldn't, like, check online, of course, to see what was coming because, you know, it arrived by Pony Express. <laughs> and you would get a box each month with, um, I don't know, a couple of books in it, one book in it. Maybe my mom remembers. I'll have to ask her. But I remember she'd get terribly aggravated with me because these would arrive once a month and... I did have money of my own. I got an allowance, $5 a week, Woo-hoo. and I babysat a lot, so I always had a lot of cash. My folks were always um, borrowing cash from me, like when they would go out to dinner and that sort of thing, they would want to raid my cash, which was fine. Um, but if you didn't send the books back in like 30 days or two weeks or something like that, then they would bill you for them. And so, of course, being a teenager is my excuse, although I'm probably not much better now, um, I would often forget to send the books back. And then my mom's credit card would get charged. <laughs> she would be annoyed with me. And I think she, I think she made me pay her back from like my babysitting money and stuff. Maybe she did sometimes if I had the money. Uh, sometimes I ended up with books that I didn't really want because I forgot. But, you know, I read a lot of books that way. And I'm sure some of those early Tanith Lee books were like that. Um, sometimes After Sunset, The Electric Forest, The Silver Metal Lover. Um, I, those I have, I know that because I have them in hardback. They were always hardback. Um, Interview with the Vampire, I read that way. I read a lot of books that way. Um, so anyway, I digressed. This is how my brain is right now. Um, now I don't remember what I was going to say about people replying to Silver Metal Lover. A lot of us read it, and it really was um, a pivotal book for us. And it was interesting to reread it. And find that it really did hold up very well. I was just as wrapped now as then, which doesn't always happen with books you read when you're very young. Um, and I kind of thought maybe I would find it silly, but I didn't. She really brings off the, the passionate romance of the book. And what's funny is was when I went to reread it, it was not on my shelf because I am a compulsive lender of books. And I oh, I wish I would stop doing this. And I, and I don't want to do it, and then I keep doing it. So I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, it's that sort of, um, maybe all readers feel this, where when somebody says, oh, I've never read that book, and you're like, here, here, take this book, you must read it. You know, and then they do, they take it, and then they don't read it, and they keep it forever, and you forget who you gave it to, and it's gone. So my copy is gone, which really just um, 
I'm very annoyed with past Jeffy about this. So anyway, I went on Amazon to see if I could buy it, and it turned out there was a sequel called Metallic Love. And Metallic Love is uh, was released in 2005, and you could buy both books for like $10. And I thought, okay, well, I'll do that. Because, you know, the beauty of digital books is you can't give them away to people compulsively and then be bereft of them. <laughs> So I thought, well, okay, I'll just keep this book and uh, or keep this pair of books. So I read both. And the second um, was interesting. I mean, written 25 years later, and I'll post a review of that probably tomorrow. I'm going to try to be efficient today and get all my work done early so I can get things picked up before my folks get here. But, uh, yeah, Tanith Lee has an amazing, incredible voice. It was uh, it's been wonderful to kind of roll around in. I'm, I'm I guess she wrote like ninety books in her life, and I feel like she should have been celebrated as one of the the great masters. And I don't know. I I think it was probably because she was a woman and didn't have like a particular series, but you know she what she should be celebrated with with the great ones. So anyway, I'm going to get to work and I will talk to you all probably on Thursday. So you all have a wonderful Tuesday and Wednesday and I will talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye.